You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Run It Again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Marks. And we want to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run It Again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. Welcome to Run It Again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Marks. Hey, Mike, I got to... <laughs> I got to jump into this one before we even start talking about Super Bowl because when it happened, I, I thought about you immediately because I knew you would have a lot to say about this. The, uh, the Rams-Lions deal with Goff and Matthew Stafford. So I'll, I'll just kind of give a brief outline here and then let you jump into this. Um, the Rams will get Matthew Stafford in a blockbuster trade and the Lions will get Jared Goff and two first-round picks and one third-round pick. They'll get two first-round picks in 2022-2023, and they'll get the third-round pick this year, plus along with Jared Goff. Mike, swing away, man. (laughs) I think that there was such a person personality disconnect between the, uh, the head coach and, and uh, Jared Goff in LA that yeah. something was, there was a divorce coming somehow, some way, you yeah. know, Sean is a very fiery, energetic guy, uh, pedal to the metal. That's not Jared's personality per se. And, you know, if you're not careful, you know, that, that you just don't communicate and there's res- resentment builds up. And I think that's kind of some of it. As I watch, as I watch Jared on tape, um, mechanically, he's gotten worse since he came out of college. Interesting. Uh, he, uh, Interesting. Yeah, I remember with the quarterback, they, they've got to set fast with their feet. And yeah. and I don't know whether they coach uh, hard the the fundamentals of the footwork and the you know some of those things that you do with the quarterbacks, but he just doesn't set fast, um, which he can. And he's let that ball down a little bit. You know, um, he's starting to let the ball drop the ball down, take a big stroke, and. He was never like that even in college. He was much quicker, so he's much more compact with the ball. And, you know, those are things that are easy to fix. But um, one thing about quarterbacks is when when they're – and I know this sounds silly, but it just it just is. It's just in granite, I promise you. The slower the feet, the slower the thought process. They think through things instead of react to it, right? The quicker the feet, it quickens things up for you mentally, and you have a tendency to get the ball up quick, and you can be more compact and – there, he, there's some work that needs to be done with Jared. You know, he's not a throwaway by any stretch of the imagination. He's a talented kid. And, and yeah. I just – I don't know that they ever really fit very well. And what he was doing there was a little different. Um, I, I don't know what the situation is in Detroit in terms of who's going to run the offense and who's coached in Jared. But, you know, if Jared ends up being a starter and a good starter up there, then it's a hell of a deal for Detroit. Yeah, so Dan Campbell, obviously the head coach up there in Detroit. And before I say something about that one, let me go back to something you just said, which just kind of boggles my mind. So at what point did Sean McVay realize he wasn't the guy? Because this is also the guy that took you to a Super Bowl as your quarterback. Um, What happened and when did it happen that the light went on and he said, uh-uh. I think probably the first year, Ron. The first I, year. I think so. Because I think when I look at their offense, what they do is guarded for that quarterback. Mm-hmm. In other words, they've kind of put a square around what they think Jared can do well, and they don't ask him to do the other things. Not, he doesn't look real quick with the ball. He's He wants to see things and think about it a little bit. Um and they did a remarkable job with him uh, in that respect. So I don't think he was ever really comfortable with the kid on in that respect. Uh, now, that's just me. I don't know that. Nobody's ever said that to me. That's just, you know, I project that in there. Yeah. Uh, and their yeah. personality sent, certainly are 180. 180. Right. And right. and that's just not going to work. Um, I You know, I, did, I worked Jared out when he came out and was really impressed with him. Uh, he's kind of a quiet, stoic kind of guy. 
Yeah. Uh, it just, you know, coaching quarterbacks, you don't coach them the same. Each quarterback is completely different. I whispered to Mark Bulger most of the time once he became our starter because he was he's such a nice, sensitive guy. So I never – but I knew he was a tough guy, so I didn't worry about it, you know. And then yeah. I've had a couple of rockheads where you got to be in their ear, you know. So you just – it just the way it goes. And, it, and you can't just put the pedal to the metal of that kid, you know, and you're not going to develop that relationship. Mike, oh gosh, man, you, you always do this. I mean, whenever we start talking about offense, you're you're great. And then when we start talking about quarterbacks, you're brilliant. And it just leads to more questions. And I know we only have so much time. Um, okay, let me go back on this. Now, so you said Mark Bulger was also a tough guy. Now, tough. I think a lot of coaches miss that when they got a, one guy that's on one end of the spectrum. And I know what you're talking about. Mark Bulger came in a couple of our production meetings. And I thought I was talking to a uh, – I don't know, an accountant with H&R Block or something, man. I mean, he was just – I look like a lawyer. He looked like he didn't have any he, business in that room. He, he was like he should be selling China down at the mall or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you you talk about the guy, the uh, the guy that maybe you want your daughter to marry someday. No question, he, he, he would fit in that that mold. But what did he do that that made you understand he was a tough guy? Because I'm trying to figure out now, you know, when did when did um, McVeigh know? Even though you paid the guy a hundred million dollars. When did you know that he probably wasn't the toughest guy or your guy? So. I don't think his toughness is a question. Yeah. I don't think toughness with Jared has ever been the question. And I hear people say that all the time. He's a tough kid. You don't do what he did with that finger and keep playing and all no, that. That's stuff. true. That's but true. He he's a tough guy. And I think Millie's a tough guy. Yeah. It's to me, it's a competitive part of it. The best competitor on the whole field has to be on your team has to be the quarterback. Just has to be. Has yeah. to be, you know how competitive Sean is, and so I don't know whether you know. There's a patience there when when you have that personality like Jared. There's I'm sure he's competitive, but you know you just get frustrated, you know, because he's not like him. And I, being a young coach, you know, you just get frustrated a little bit. You can't. You got to find a way, or whoever coaches a kid, you've got to let somebody else deal with that then, and find a way to pull his trigger. Or he just, maybe he just feels he's just not good enough. Was that a case yeah, where all of a sudden? Maybe the time they had a time frame that said, okay, golf, if he can get us there, probably won't get us there till year three or four. And then all of a sudden, he got him there, McVeigh's second year, I believe, because golf was there, I'm just looking at the board here, five years. Came in 2016, you know, and out now. So um, he, he, he came in, and as you, we talked, I don't even know if the NFL thought the Rams would be as good as they were that quick. Well, that's a credit to Sean, though, not to golf. Because Sean, the whole team was good. Yeah. Do you remember when we came in this season after the COVID thing and there, there, was, there was three or four teams that just were playing at a higher level than everybody else, Kansas yeah, yeah. City, Kansas. L.A., and a couple of those yeah. teams? Well, that, that's that's a coaching thing. Yeah. And and I think that his the details and the discipline of that football team uh, you, you know, the quarterback just got to make sure he does his role. So an extraordinary yeah. quarterback will thrive in an environment like that. Well, he's not an extraordinary quarterback, and I don't know if he ever will be, but he might be he just in the right circumstances. And, you know, and every quarterback, every one of them takes time. Some of them are faster. You know, uh, Brady, boom, there it go. It takes right off. But Kurt Warner, it took time for him to get that. He wasn't an overnight success. He bounced around a little bit, you know. Yeah. So they all take a little bit it's a different path. And like I said, they're also different and, and you can't have the same guide for every quarterback. It just, you can't do it. Yeah. Okay. So now, um, Stafford comes to LA golf goes to the lions. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Can I back up just a second? Yeah. Yeah. In all of this, there was one telling comment through all the garbage. Do you remember what golf said? When he went to Detroit, it's just good to go someplace where they want me, where they want me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, I, yeah, yeah. Right. So, you know, right. I mean, that didn't just happen overnight. Right. He didn't have that feeling. That, that feeling wasn't because he got traded. No, obviously that, was, that feeling had been there for a while. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah. And he wanted to make sure everyone felt that he stuck it yeah. to him on that one. Right. Yeah. A another telling moment for me 
was in the Seattle game. This was the game uh, that they lost, and, and Seattle ended up winning the division. And, you know, Goff had a couple questionable plays where people thought he could have slid or, 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 you know, went head first and gotten the first down and blah, 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 blah. And uh, there was an exchange or lack thereof on the sideline between McVay and Goff because he didn't start Goff that game. Remember, they started the other kid, and that kid ended up getting a concussion, getting a neck injury. So a lot of people thought, hmm, there's something weird there. You could see something weird happening. And I think maybe, to your point, Mike, that was the end of the weirdness. This weirdness had been going on for a while. Yeah, that, it peaked there, I think. I think the yeah. biggest issue is, uh, you know, Jared's a very, very smart guy. Very yeah. smart guy. And he he has a tendency to really dissect stuff and internalize things, I think. But yeah. the short time that I was with him anyway, I just got that impression. Because I, I put him through drills and ask him some things, and I can just see him. And if it was something that he think was important, he just kind of, you know, mm. You know, so, you know, he was pretty easy to read, you know. So yeah. with a guy like that, you just got to – there's a buy-in thing there. And it, the more critical you are of that guy, he it's just going to send him the other direction. It has to be, uh, here's why we're doing it, and be positive with it and encourage him and because he's still young. And then he'll grow out of that eventually. But uh, that's the only way you keep that relationship with him. And, and Sean, you know, he's got so much going on, he didn't have time for that. Yeah. So now Dan Campbell's a head coach. I couldn't think of two more different personalities, at least from the outside looking in, than Dan Campbell and Jared Goff. I, I know mean, Dan. Dan yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. It just feels like Dan Campbell is the type of guy that would bump into a guy like Jared Goff in the bar and wouldn't even say excuse me and dare him to fight. <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, Danny played for us at for a couple of years up in Detroit. He's our tight end. Okay, I know Dan real well. Yeah, one of the nicest people. Okay, ever ever meet. He's a sweetheart of a guy. He's like Mark Bulger, you know. Because yeah. you know his pictures, his pictures don't look like that. <laughs> and, when he, and in his press conference, when he said we're going to bite people's kneecaps off, I'm not sure that he's going to get a lot of kneecaps bitten off by golf. But I I I, I feel your point though, Mike. But what, that my point there though is that when you go in the locker room and put the silks on, yeah, and you go out in the field, then it's just like it, it's just. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, there's a transformation. Now that is a fierce competitor. So the difference between yeah. Sean and he is incredible. But what Dan will do, because this is who's, who Dan is, he's, in a, he's a positive, and if he believes in you, then you know he's going to give you every benefit of the doubt, and he's going to encourage you and still coach you hard and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. there's it's just a different way. Uh, Dan Campbell is one of my all-time favorites. I mean, yeah. he is uh, salt of the earth. He's kind of what football is to me. Yeah. Boy, that, from the outside looking in, it looks like uh, Duck Dynasty versus Hollywood uh, chefs, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, Mike, uh, Mark Brunel is the quarterback coach up there. Yeah. With the new staff, Anthony Lynn, former Charger coach, he's the offensive coordinator. Mark Brunel is a quarterback coach. Deuce Staley, running back coach. Yeah, I'm just reading down the list. Old Hank Fraley is the old line coach. So I, there's some football people in place here, and that's just on the offensive side. I didn't know that was a staff. That's a very strong staff. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing, here's the thing that I know in offense in um, at Detroit. They had a couple of real strong coaches there, but not a whole staff that was very strong. Right. Because And from a right. coach's perspective, you're looking for a job, you're out of work. You're, you're, at that point, you're going to take anything. But if you had a choice between Detroit and someplace else, you weren't going to go to Detroit. Yeah. You know, that was just no, kind that, of – No, that's true. No, that that's true. You that's know, that was, that was the junkyard. You're done. You know, you, yeah. you know, so he didn't want to go there. But, you know, since they've changed so much there and Danny's going there, it really is. And that's why it was always hard to attract really top-notch uh, head coaches there. Well, but you, you got, got a guy in Danny now that, that believes in the place, which you've never had there before. Well, right. And Mike, you've been in that, that shop a, a lot. Yes. You were up there coaching and I, two years, yeah. I, I know the area real well. I was born and partly raised in Detroit. So I know the people, I know the area. And my first instinct was Jared Goff is not a Detroit blue collar roll up your sleeves. Uh, you know, we're working down here at the Ford plant all day and night long. And you know, that, he's not that guy, but, but hold on. That's the perception 
Now let's see what he does on the field. Well, that's all they really care about. You know, yeah. they're so hungry to win up there. They could care less about the other stuff. Yeah, that's, right. Know, it, that's it, right. And I think, uh, yes, there's that element of blue collar there, but there's also that other side of it too. There's kind of that California thing in the Northern part of Detroit, you know, where the nicer burbs up there and all that, you know, so there's. You're born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So there's all kinds <laughs> of, you know, yeah. all I know is uh, they would do anything to have a winner there. And, yeah. and if they don't, you know, if, they don't care if you come in into the stadium on the horse backwards. You know, you, they, they're going to be excited about it if, if you can help them win. <laughs> Coming in the stadium with the horse backwards. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, de- defensive coordinator is Aaron Glenn. Remember Aaron, former yeah. player? Oh, yeah. Of- yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I tell you, that's how old I'm getting. I, I did Aaron's um, college games, a couple of his college games there. So, man. Okay, so we'll we'll move on from that, and we'll to be continued. Uh, but it is a big move, and I, I think I know the Rams are getting a tough guy and a guy uh, who's got some years left in him too, especially with the new rules with for quarterbacks now. You know, if Brady and the bunch can play into their late thirties and forties, then this kid can can do the same thing as well. Yeah, here's here's one other point I'd like to make about this, if I can. Yeah. yeah. When you're a top pick. And you become the starter right away like that. And you have a guy that was a late round pick, Francis Brady, or some of these other guys that have been kicked around for a few years before they get their opportunity. There's just a different dynamic personality wise and intensity. You know, when you've, when you bounce around on a couple teams and you're good enough and all of a sudden you get your opportunity and you shine and you become the starter, there's a solid toughness about that. And once you've had your nose broke basically emotionally like what happened to jared Goff. Yeah. alex smith is the same thing yeah. once you get knocked around a little bit you know because now you just you, jared you know he's at the controls he's he's had everything kind of easy for him there's no emotional challenge to it at all you know what i mean yeah. so now he's gonna now he he has to do it the pressure is on him he's never felt pressure like this yeah. He's never felt pressure like this. So we'll find out real quick because now if he if he gets his heat on, as they say, then now we'll find out who, who he really is. Yep, good point. Definitely great, great point. Okay. All right, so we'll check on that. Definitely, it'll be interesting. All right, Coach, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Run It Again after this message. Courageous is a word that describes America's veterans. Sadly, another word we can use is homeless. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street. You can help. Donate at CardboardToHeadboard.org. On this week's episode, we preview the big game. From Tom Brady playing in his 10th Super Bowl to the Bucs' incredible defense to the magic of Patrick Mahomes, we break it all down and give our predictions for the winner, the score, and potential MVPs. Then we talk about the Matthew Stafford trade, what it means for Deshaun Watson, and why 49ers Twitter just can't leave Jimmy Garoppolo be. We're going on a hiatus, so listen in and let us know your thoughts before we go. Welcome back. Here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Mars. Um, Super Bowl 55. So, so, Mike, everybody talks about the young coaches, right? Okay, young coach this, young coach that. But now we've got we've got two of the old guard guys and and Arians and uh, and Reed. Let me see, Arians sixty eight, Bruce Arians, and Andy Reed sixty two. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know because the league is is looking for the Sean McVeighs and you know the some some of those other guys in the league that are thirty two, thirty three years old. And uh, initially, when they come in, you have to pay them. I call them disposable head coaches. You know, you just throw them away, you know, and, and you hire young guys, you don't pay them much because then the general managers can control everything. Mm -hmm. They can control Mm -hmm. the head coach. When you get a strong head coach that knows what he's doing, then they, the general managers are leery of it and they, you can't fool them. And, uh, you know, then it creates tension sometimes in the front office. And that's just kind of been the dynamics forever in the NFL in that respect. That's why you just don't see older head coaches uh, get jobs anymore. Uh, you know, you've got the front office people or general manager or president that, that wants complete control. They just don't want to be questioned about anything. And basically they want to run everything. It's a kind of a right. power thing. And that's fine. You know, if it works great, but so far it hasn't really worked for anybody. Yeah. Well, this is why you're going to be getting more calls because these yeah. guys have done a, have done a great job and uh, you know, it, well, the league is cyclical, right? And everyone, it's a copycat league. If, 
if two young guys go to the Super Bowl, then what does everyone do the next couple of years? They go out and get young coaches, as, we, as we've seen. Now, you know, two older coaches in the Super Bowl, maybe people will go out and try to get older coaches. We'll see. You know, it's just interesting, Ron, uh, an assistant coach years ago, Dick Seltzer, told me, I said, <laughs> my very first year in the league, a uh, bunch of jobs, you know, we were, the season was over and everything. And I said, well, who get all, there's like seven jobs open. He yeah. went right to the blackboard or the grease board. And he said, well, well put up the name to all the guys. Uh, let's go right through the book. He went and got all the assistants in the book. We went through and we picked out every guy that we thought was a capable head coach. Yeah. By the time we got done, we had five guys and there were seven jobs open. So we had to go back and do, you know, because you don't know everybody, you know. So then my point is that was a long time. And then the really capable guys, they go and the other guys get fired. So the pool shrinks, shrinks and shrinks. And then they all get into this fad, hire young. Mike Shanahan, when he got hired, you know, hire young, hire young, hire young. Al Davis, you know, that whole thing, they're, they're looking for that. And then they go, they pass by a lot of these guys that have been in the, you know, the perimeter so to speak that are very capable you know and it's yeah. it, it's it, there's a lot more politics to it than it used the league used to be you get hired on merit and i'm not so sure that that's the case anymore no no you're you're right uh david cully uh new head coach with the texans boy he's been in the league a long time i i and I always refer back to okay my early broadcasting days because a lot of these guys were just assistants or even quality control yeah. guys, which is below assistant formally. Yeah. And they've worked their, their their way up and up and up and up. And like I said, guys like Aaron Glenn, who I, I called their games in college, they're now defensive coordinators and coordinators, things of the like. So maybe uh, you know maybe it's starting to push that direction already, at least at least with that hire. Well, I think it's important. I think the experience that these guys bring is incredibly important because they've seen so many things that happen, not because they responded yeah. the right way, but they've learned from it. I learned way more from failure, uh, you know, before I became a head coach and as a head coach, actually, than I did anything uh, from success. You know, yeah. success, you just kind of you move on. But when you fail, you go back and you break it down real hard and you learn something. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Excellent point, Mike. So let's talk about this game here. Uh, Super Bowl 5-5, believe it or not. It's, uh, we're getting up there in Super Bowl numbers, man. They don't even put the number up anymore. They just put the Roman numeral and keep it there, I guess. So. It's, like, it's like my birthday. <laughs> you, just, you just use Roman numerals now, Mike? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We just, we just kind of, um, you know, what do you call average up or down? Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> average. Take an average. Uh, or yeah. what do you call it? Take a 20-year average. That'll work. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, Chiefs sixteen and two overall. Uh, Buccaneers fourteen and five. Man, this one feels to me like okay. You've got the quarterbacks. You know what you have there. You've got someone said the new Tom Brady and the and the old original OG Tom Brady. So, you know that that satisfies that part of the game that everyone's looking for. Defensively, we've talked about this. Buccaneers defense is playing real good right now and especially up front in the front four. And you made that point uh, last week that, you know, they dominated that game, won that game with their front four uh, with the play of Sue along with Pierre Paul and those, those young linebackers inside David and, and white, they were, they were exceptional. And the so secondary, you know, is solid enough, of course, with that kind of help up front uh, defensively, it looks like Kansas City got a little bit better. You know, that was a question mark for us. We were not sure what they were doing early on in the year and where they were going to be and, so on and so forth. Uh, they, they've gotten better. They've gotten better. They got the Jones kid inside, big D tackle, and he's, he's creating a push inside, and I think that's helped him quite a bit. I, I'll go right to this, Mike, because this is a, a concern for me. Uh, the Chiefs have lost some people in their offensive line. Okay, they're going to be without, most likely, they're starting left and right tackle. Left tackle Eric Fisher, right tackle Mitch Swartz. Um, how big is that starting there? That's just huge. Um, it's big, not because physically they can't do it. It's just experience. Uh, you know, I do know that you go to work on those things in ter terms of recognition now with the games and the stunts and the blitzes. No, they got to pick it up. The communication, it's, it's easier at tackle than it is at garden center. Yeah. There's not a lot of adjustment on the outside. 
you know, you block that guy, you know, you pass it off and all that, but inside it's remarkably difficult. Okay. Okay. Good so point. on the outside, yeah. that part of it is, is okay, the mental part of it, but just the speed of it and knowing how to do things and, and seeing new things and adjusting. And that's where you like a guy's experience. It's really good. Uh, I, I think it can affect him, affected us in the Super Bowl. You know, like I told you before, you know, we, yeah. we had to pick six because of tackle just blocked the wrong guy, you know? So, I mean, it can be a major factor. Will be, I don't know, but sure it has a potential. Of it. But I think for me, Ron, I think uh, all things considered equal, both quarterbacks are going to play well and all that. I think defensively the, the team that shows up and plays the best on defense really in this game and keeps the heat on throughout the, the game. And I think, I do think Kansas city will absolutely uh, change things up and they'll pressure them and, they're not going to let Tom sit in there and just, you know, peel it away in, in these zones and whatnot. So I think they will try to confuse him as much as they can because teams that have made him hold the ball and do things, show him something and change. Because remember, you have to be on the same page as the wide receivers are. If the wide receivers don't see the same adjustment, that's when you get in problems, you know. Yeah. And I just think looking at the Bucks defensively, man, I, I just I wouldn't want to play him. I just wouldn't want to play him, you know, and, and the linebacker, the key guy to me is white. So what happens yeah. when Mahomes gets back there and he starts moving around, the one guy that will run him down is white. I know. I know. You know, and they'll have something for him. They will They will def- definitely have something for him. Uh, I'm talking about the Bucks for Mahomes. So yeah. I, I, defensively, it's going to be a lot of fun because they'll be, they'll be different perhaps, I think, than what they've been in the past. But I love the intensity and the physical part of how the Bucks play on defense. Mm-hmm. A lot of weapons for Kansas City, as we know. Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, you know, if he, if he plays, he's been in and out. Clyde Edwards, Hilary, another guy. He's been in and out. Um, if, they, if, they can get, if they can get everybody healthy and going, that helps a lot. Um, but so many, so many weapons. Uh, McCole Hardman, you know, you talk about what Tyreek Hill is. Well, this is a little smaller version Right, Hill Hardman yeah. is and, and and you know he's the slow guy of the bunch. I think he's just the late 4-3 40 yard dash guy, okay? Yeah. Um, so I this just if that if that were man, if if I'm Todd Bowles, I'm kind of I'm thinking, "Wow, man, we we have to we have to make sure we really <laughs> shore this up." And I, I, w- I went back and looked at some film of the Buffalo Kansas City game, Mike, and it wasn't it wasn't the playoff game. It was uh, the game earlier in the season. As you know, Kansas City beat them twice. But Buffalo's answer to Hill and Hardman and all that speed on the field, they lined their safety up and I counted it. He was 30 yards deep at the snap of the ball. And it was a second down play, second and long, third and long type play. It, it just it was it was unbelievable. Didn't so, work, did it? <laughs> I mean, if that he could have put him fifty, it didn't work. <laughs> God. So if they quick kicked, he'd be they'd be perfect. But yeah. that just shows you know how much how much speed is going on out there and, and and what you have to get ready for. I just think you have to trap him as much as you can. When you have speed, right. you have got to rip him apart trying to get off the ball. You cannot let him get off the ball. Yeah. And we used to do a drill. Uh, we take linebackers out on wide receivers to help them get off press. We tell the linebacker, you know, just don't let them off. I don't care what you do, just don't let them off. And that, and that was a challenge for those wideouts. No, no, that's that's a good point. Now, the problem with Hill, and I'm speaking from old DB experience, is it's one thing with a linebacker because linebacker probably won't run with him. And man, obviously, he'll have some kind of underneath coverage or whatever. But as a corner, when you try to press Hill, if, if you can get your hands on him, great. But, Mike, I don't see many people can get their hands on him. Yeah. And everything's speed release now. You know, back in the day, guys used to spend time. I was talking to um, – gosh, who was I talking to about with this? Um, Mike, you're old receiver at the Rams, Henry Ellard, okay? Yeah. You, know, no, you know Henry. I played against Henry. Great receiver. And, and, and I said, Henry, what, what is the best – release move you guys are working on these days what what is it henry said no move we don't waste our time with that anymore speed release that's what we did yeah i said he said speed release just get off and go now because everything's timed yeah you know and and so when we worked when i first coached receivers there when i first went to the rims all i did is we spent 20 minutes a day against press just releasing off press 
fancy just, releases. Just getting off. No chops. No, really, and yeah. every one of them want to chop their feet and make moves and all that kind of dumb stuff. Yeah. Uh-uh. Just go. Just go. Okay. And then you can yeah. back off and do a little bit of that. But that's all we ever did. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So so now to your point, going back to how uh, the Buccaneers are, are going to play this, I also see teams that had success against uh, Kansas City, and Atlanta was one of them. That Atlanta game is a good game to look at because for all intents and purposes, Atlanta had them beat. The kid they just did. holds on to the ball in the end zone. They're beat. And, Mike, they did a double on Hill, but they did it with a far safety who didn't even start off looking at Hill. It's like as the play developed and he saw Hill coming across the field, he then picked him up. I think you call it pickups. So, mm-hmm. so the backside corner, as Hill is dragging across the field real deep, he kind of holds on his back shoulder, and once he gets to a point, he turns him loose to the safety, and he looks for another crosser come, coming over. Yeah, it's a trap. We just call it a trap. You call it's it a trap? Yeah, yeah you okay. trap the deep, those deep receivers in the cross field, and uh, there's some indicators, though, route-wise and from the quarterback that can help the defense see that. But you got to have that called on. You have to have that defense called, obviously, yeah. you know, when they're throwing that. So you, you know, if you're, in a pre- if you're in some sort of man coverage, obviously you're out of luck, but – uh, yeah. There's so many forms of press with the safety's help trap and all that kind of stuff. And when you start the formation, that kind of blows that out. But uh, there's a lot of different ways of trying to – you're going to have to double him somehow. You have to. I mean, you have yeah. to. You, you have to, yeah. That, but that's when the running back gets going, you know, and as soon as you see that. I was going to say that. Yeah. That's the problem there. And that's why, that's why it's going to be an interesting game because once they start running the ball a little bit on you, okay, and then – you just get that safety lazy one time or the coordinator or the coordinator says, Hey, okay, screw it. I got to get my safety up there. We'll play a simpler coverage. We'll just, maybe we'll stay three deep or we'll play one. We used to call it one clamp. It was cover one man to man, the outside safety deep, but you're clamping everything in your zone. Like it's man, you're just not chasing it across the field. You you see how that goes. So so Ron, the run, they can play a six man front. Okay, yeah. And have yeah. five deep, right? They can play yeah. a six-man front because of those two linebackers. Nobody yeah. else can do that against Kansas City, really, and right. survive in the running game. With yeah. those two backers, I, I think that they – because of the two tackles, a little experience, inexperienced, I believe that they can handle that, which gives them a huge advantage in the back end in terms of trapping receivers. Now, you know, the, those two backers aren't the biggest guys. White is – oh, man. No. He might be – Six foot, he's two something, but he's he's not a, a thick, heavy guy. Finds the ball great, scrapes well, as does the other kid, David. But you know, maybe maybe they could run right at him and pound him. They I've seen Andy do some two tight end stuff, but I don't think he I don't think they want to do the two tight end stuff. I don't think Eric Bieniemy, as offense coordinator, wants to do that all day. I think they want that ball in that quarterback's hand and they want Kelsey, they want Hill, they want, you know, the stuff on the outside down the field to shine sooner or later. Yeah. And when they, when they break the formation and open it up, that's when those two linebackers should shine in the running game. And yeah. that's when you should have five deep where you can do some combinations. If they close the formations, then you go back into your normal seven man front stuff, you know, yeah. but um, I just think that the bucks have been so impressive defensively, uh, you know, I just the matchup between the Bucks defense and the and the offense with the Kansas City Chiefs is, is probably the most dynamic. But whoever shows up on defense and does the best job, because then you you haven't looked at the other matchup either. <laughs> you know, you know, with Kansas City, they do so many different things with pressures. Yeah, and re- remember at the end of that game, was uh, a, a week ago, with Tom at the end, they came off the edges with him. It just it blew his mind a little bit. You know, it, it was yeah. shocked him so. You have to squeeze him as much as you can in the pocket. He's getting a little nervous with that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Kansas defense, to note, in the red zone, they're last in the NFL in, in red zone defense. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what that really means because if you're getting run up and down the field at that point, it's it's. So here's here's what I think about that. That's not always uh, those numbers aren't always indicative of. The reality of it. Yeah. In other words, Kansas City has been out in front on so many people. Yeah. That they kind of let up off the gas defensively, so to speak. So, you know, they get down in there and they come in complacence, probably the right word because they do. 
And, you know, they're up by three touchdowns just in the fourth quarter. You know, they're going to give up some scores. And, you know, it just – you can you hate it. You don't want them to do it, but it's just the nature of the beast, you know. And yeah. I, I think it's legitimate to some extent, but you got to be careful of that too because they're probably better than what the stat says. Yeah, and everything else are in the middle of the road, and that one is like their only real, like, tanker. But I'm – like you say, I, I'm not going to put too much weight on that because that could be a misleading statistic. Uh there was an, a situation uh, with with Tampa Bay last week that I I don't I don't want to say it went unnoticed, but the running backs, and I should say running back for Nat, even though it wasn't a lot of yards, he he his yards were key yards. They played well when they had to play well. They ran the ball well when they had to run the ball, and. You know, when they had to get the ball in the end zone, they got it in the end zone. And Fournette, I know he had a big touchdown. And that's what Green Bay couldn't do. Green Bay couldn't get the ball in the end zone. Hard, hard, hard yards. Yeah. Yards after the first contact and, and you're moving against pressure. That's so big. Here's – and I don't know why at this point in the season this would happen, but there's just a difference in intensity between the Bucks and, and say, the uh, – Sure is. You know, and the Packers. There's a difference in intensity – uh, with Buffalo coming down the stretch at the end there. They didn't play. They weren't as physical and as intense as they'd been. And it's teams are, have personalities to them. They always do. And and you have to, as a head coach, you got to kind of feel that, you know, and address it. But that intensity from the Bucks in that championship game, I mean, they, they couldn't be more intense. Now, if, if they can bring that in the Super Bowl, that's something else. And, I, yeah. and I, it sounds silly maybe to fans, but – there is a there was a almost assumption that yeah we're going to win this and go to the Super Bowl yeah and yeah. they got shocked right. no that that's right that's right you know another thing too that that game that NFC Championship game reinforced something we've always known in big games at some point and maybe it's just a playoff thing you're going to have to make a play you're going to have to pull a play out of your bag that no one expects you to pull out. Now I, and the play I'm referencing, Mike, is fourth the fourth. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and the, and the deep shot, you catch the corner sleeping, whatever it is on the other side, I, it doesn't really matter, but you've got to have the guts to put your quarterback when he's standing on the sideline and you're going to maybe kneel on it or kick the ball or whatever, put him out and say, you know what, let's, let's take a shot. Don't and get scared. You yeah. can't play scared. You can't coach yeah. scared. You can't coach scared in terms of, you know, at that point you take uh, what what is normally done in football, which I hate anyway, but here's what you should do. All that here's what you should do stuff to win the game in a Super Bowl. You should throw that out the window. And you try to do stuff that's least expected, and 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 that's that's where you get your big plays that win games, you know. You just yeah. you just do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw you do it in a playoff game down there in uh in St. Louis, when you guys were playing the Vikings, and all week long the Vikings were were talking about, okay, yeah, you know, we we know the Rams are this, that, this, that, and I remember sitting in the meeting with them, and I, I was thinking to myself, boy, these guys, they they're a little cocky, but they they're confident too, and and I think you, I can't remember who you guys played the week before, but you just rolled them up, and I thought to myself, I said, well, I know the Rams aren't going to open up throwing deep because that's what everybody in the world expects them to do. And the first damn play of scrimmage, you threw a deep ball to Isaac Bruce. The roof blew off the place, and that was the end of that game. So here's, here's what happens with that. First of all, there's when you take sit and look at a tape for hours on, on coverages and formations, sometimes against particular formations – They'll have formation checks, as you on defense did. Okay, we get into this twin set over here. If they have this coverage call, they'll check it to this. Yeah. So there's always kind of a coverage that they like versus a certain set, especially when you have a good runner like Marshall. Well, that's what they did. Yeah. So we knew coverage-wise what we were going to get. And at that point, it's just a chance, you know, what's the best thing to get a big – how do we get a big play out of this? And so you go back and look and look and look, and you look at – you look at the secondary and how they respond to stuff. And, yeah. and we just kind of felt, Ron, at that point, that if we could get a big play right away, then it would absolutely take the, the air out of their sails, so to speak, or it would help things. And, yeah. and plus, you know, the thing about that, Ron, is your players, they love that. When you come out on first down, you say, listen, we're going, we're going after the end zone here on this, 
they just get, you know, they get fired up. You know, it's playoffs. Let's go, buddy. Let's go win it. They're, you're not going to try to grind it down the end and see who wins at the end. You know, you're going to go after them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you went after them. <laughs> yeah, it was we, pretty, we did. It was did. pretty funny, man. It was, uh, wow. And, you, and you know, that's, that's, that's it. See the energy. That's another thing. The energy, some teams are energy teams that need that energy. You guys, when you guys had that energy and, and the crowd noise, and everything, it just made it that much harder. And you guys just became that much faster in that dome. And I, and I think some teams have to play like that. Yeah, they do. And Kansas City is one of those teams. They, Kansas City will have a hard time coming out and just kind of ho-humming it a little bit. You know, eventually they're going to have to come back and, and get you on your heels. That's who they yeah. are. Yeah. If they don't take advantage of their speed, I wouldn't be surprised to see them come out and use their speed immediately. Yeah. My, yeah. On the other end of it, you have to be judicious with the tackle situation, being able to hold up as well. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a good one. Um, we were talking about the deal with uh, Stafford going to the Rams and golf going to the lions, but let's throw in one more here. I forgot to mention this Aaron Rodgers. What, what happens to Aaron Rodgers? What happens with green Bay right now? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I know what I would do if I was Aaron Rodgers. I'd get out of green Bay. Uh, they've proven that they're not going to help him with, uh, of course, the Adams is there, but yeah, I would, uh, they're, to me, the marriage, the best marriage would be if, if it'd be in the perfect world, Aaron Rodgers goes out to San Francisco. Yep. Where he's from, he went to Cal. Yep. I mean, that would be, that would be the home run on all home runs, really. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, kid comes home and you know, on a really good football team, now, that would be a, a mega, mega story there. So, yeah. uh, I, I just, to get out of there, just to get out of there isn't right. You know, when Tom Brady left New England, he knew what was going on. He knew in the near future, you know, they couldn't win. They just didn't have the, the, you know, all that cap stuff finally caught up with him. And he, the team he picked, they had all the pieces. And I think that's the one team out there for Aaron, if they could get that done, that would work. What about Deshaun Watson? Boy, Deshaun Watson would be good anywhere. You know, um, it's, it's really kind of – I just kind of think a, a team like Indy, Deshaun Watson would be awesome in Indy. Yeah. Yeah, such a great defense and they can run the football. It, it, they're just that's Indy is a great place right now, just waiting for a good quarterback, you know. And yeah, that that's right. I thought I thought maybe Watson might have ended up in LA. I thought that would have been a really good Hollywood move, you know. See, he's not Sean McVay's guy kind of guy. Yeah. Look at Sean McVay's personality. They, by the way, they must have changed the rules in the NFL since I was in it. Head coaches, you couldn't be past the 30-yard line. They this score, guy runs all the way down. He's all the way down the end zone. They, you yeah. know, they must have changed that rule. So, yeah. Well, you know, not, we've seen – you're right. We've seen Pete Carroll do his his, uh, his, uh, yeah. his body big flips and, you know, his cartwheels whenever someone makes a tackle behind the line of scrimmage for more than two yards. So, we've seen that. But, yeah. I'm just trying to f- – Remember what that felt like to do a cartwheel. Not that I could ever do a cartwheel. But. Yeah, don't ask me. I can't help you there, brother. Uh, <laughs> okay, so here, here's a couple guys. I mean, we're just we'll get into the free agency thing a little bit more, but you know, in the next few weeks here, as it's as it becomes pertinent. But uh, these are guys, Mike, that possibly could possibly, you know, be in contract situations. Could could be either not coming back at all guys like drew Brees, he's maybe done for good matt ryan you know there's a guy that's got some time left on the speedometer okay big salary big cap number but uh, he may be done there in atlanta maybe may want to get out of atlanta Derek carr is another i think i think matt ryan um needs to stay right where he is help them in the transition bring a young quarterback in and um, I think he means too much to the organization, to that city. He's just too good. He's still a good player. And for him to go someplace is it's just different. I just don't see the dynamics of him leaving, but maybe he does. Yeah. And Derek Carr to me is a, is a diamond. That's a diamond. Derek Carr is absolutely better than, than what he's playing there. And I, you know, I don't mean that as a slam on John or anything else like that. I just don't think, I think it's a little bit like LA. There's a disconnect between the head coach there and that quarterback. Um, yeah. But I think Derek Carr is really an elite player and I'll stand on that one. 
No, you're right. I mean, in the cap numbers, these guys I'm mentioning, they're either getting old, old in the tooth, long in the tooth, or there's a cap situation um, that could force them out. Or maybe they want to get out. Carr, he's got about $2.5 million of dead cap space. So in the big picture speaking, just you know, with the cap salary or salary cap just under Two hundred million—that—that's penny. So that they have chump no change. Yeah, that's that does that's insignificant. But right. I think John's got to decide whether, because for what they do in offense, and this is not a slam on what they do, but there's not a—it's not a real quarterback-friendly offense at the Raiders. It really isn't. Yeah, no, you know, I get that feeling. You're right. Yeah, they're, he's just kind of there on third down, make a good play, and just kind of manage the game, kind of a deal. And yeah, you know, now that would be a huge Derek Carr and Indy to me would be. That's a, a good match one. made in heaven, yeah. Because yeah, because be what yeah. Rivers was doing with them, you could do with Cart like that, and you could with Deshaun too. But I just think that that would be a good match. Yeah, yeah. Kirk Cousins, you know, he's got a huge cap number. I mean, it, the Vikings would would end up with a forty-one million dollar cap hit if they try to do something there. I don't, I don't know that. Don't see that is, happen. Yeah, I don't see that happen. I don't know that anyone would would jump on any of that. Sam Darnold. Uh, th- that was hot for a while with the Rams, so that's not going to happen. Why? Why didn't? Wh- wh- I wonder. Do you think that that Derek Carr would have been a good fit for McVay? No. No, so, he has the same kind of. Derek Carr is. Uh, he's a kind of a. It, you know, people are just all different. Whether your players or not, he's kind of a pleaser. Yeah. If you encourage Derek, if all you do is encourage him and pat him on the butt and tell him, I, I know what you did, but it's not right. Here's what we like you. He'll get it and he'll go. But if you chew him out, you know, he's, he just going, you know, and that's, it, yeah. so that's why I say his personality with John, John is, is going to chew on him a little bit. It's just not going to be real good. And I say yeah. that because McVeigh is going to be hard on him. And, you know, like, like for instance, you take Derek Carr and put him down in Tampa Bay, he'd be great with Arians. Aaron's yeah. kind of has a way of massaging those guys along a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, an older, experienced guy that can—that's you know—it's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that what Jimmy Garoppolo has that anyone wants. Maybe he's—I don't know. You never know how guys been taught, like you always say, and and what he has. But I don't see that. Mason Rudolph is, is there. Carson Wentz and and even. Dak Prescott, and I, I think the big issue with Dak is that you got to see what happens with his, with his ankle and see how he comes back physically. Yeah, that's a shame. Done. They, they they've got to keep Dak and somehow, some way. It's just, it's just got to get done. I don't see him ever leaving there. But yeah. and if you know him at all, it, it just one of the, he's just a wonderful kid. He's a wonderful human being. I just I just don't see him. The one that's interesting is Carson Wentz, yeah. because Chicago's going to need a quarterback. Right. They, you know, Trubisky obviously is not going to go back there. I don't believe so. I don't think that's going to happen. So, so what does Chicago do for quarterback? Right. And Carson Wentz is just like what we talked about, uh, you know, earlier. The quarterback that comes out of there is a top pick like that and struggles and everything's kind of been given to him. And all of a sudden you get kicked in the, you know, in the groin, so to speak. And, you got to come back and make a decision. And there's a different approach. There's a different intensity. There's an, an anger, if you will, when you come back with some of those guys, when they come back or they just don't come back. Yeah. Yeah. And just to wrap a bow around this, we've got about five minutes left, Mike. Let me go back to Brady. And so Tom Brady now takes his magic and six Super Bowl wins down to Tampa Bay. And in spite of how rough this thing looked in the beginning, even the head coach called him out. I don't I want people to, to forget about that one. But here he is. He, he's, he's right back in the big show. What is this offense that they're running, Mike? And is, it, is, is, is Brady running it, or is this a system that's been put in place by Leftwich and Leftwich has given it to him? What is this? No, I think Brady's got a lot to do with it. And I think Arians has a lot to do with it as well. Uh, how much left which has to do with it, I really don't know. But I, I look at some of the things that they used to do in New England and just listen to Tom over the years in interviews. He's always looking for new things in the passing game. Oh, how, you know, you listen to Peyton Manning. Well, on that drive, you know, the guy would 
at six yards and all of a sudden you delay it. How, how'd you do that? What was the, you know, he's asking those kinds of questions. And yeah, if you're not part of the offense and installing it and, and coaching it, you don't ask those questions. So yeah. to me, he, he's always been, had a little bit into it and I think they've given him full reign. And I think a lot of what they do, he has some input into it. And I think Arians is obviously, you know, he's a real good guy in the passing game too. And, and left, which how much who I think is a good, Mixture there, but Tom ultimately will decide, I believe. Yeah, I mean, who knows more about throwing the football and that of those three? Wow. Well, it's it's the quarterback. I mean, yeah. and, and Arians, Arians is you know he's coached a lot of good teams, and he's yep. so he yeah. I'm not going to take anything away from him as well. I shoot. But what, Tom, what, Tom clearly is going to know more about, and he has to do it. So here's a guy who knows as much or more than all the coaches about the pass game and what what they're trying to do. And also, he has to do it. So wouldn't it make sense to, to really listen to him and let him kind of drive you through the game plan and whatnot? But I guess that's the, 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 uh, the big picture point that so many people miss, isn't it? Yeah. L- yeah. Let your guy be his guy, be your guy. Let your yeah. guy be your guy. But there's so few of those guys. I think once a, yeah. a guy has been a starter on a good team for five years or more and had lots of success, then they get more and more control of what you're doing and you listen more and more to them, you know, and yeah. that's kind of the way it goes. Mike, is that offense called, is it a multiple offense? Is it a, it's, it's not a, is it a West coast offense? It's not a vertical passing game like you used to run. That doesn't look like that to me. I think I think it's a pragmatic offense, and I think that's kind of what we used to try to be as well. You know, I think they're good at taking a look at a defense and what they need to do to beat that defense oh, I see. and attack certain areas. And they don't just – people think that offenses come out and they, they have a bunch of plays that they start with at the beginning of the year, and that's what they do, and they add some plays as they go. Well, maybe some people do. We never did that. Each week we morphed into something different, you know, and, and I think for the most part, I think yeah. these guys do too. <laughs> That's why you're always saying toward the end of the year, you've got to be able to adjust and add right. or take out of your, of your playbook to be successful. Or as they say, don't lock your knees. Don't lock your knees. (laughs) Well, that's okay. My knees are so bad. I can't lock anything. So, all right, Mike, we're out of here. We'll, we'll, uh, next week we'll break down, you know, what happens in this game, obviously. And then uh, we'll, we'll really dive into free agency and, and more the other positions and, and uh, more, more changes uh, on, on staffs and things like that. So, all right. All right, Ronnie. Good, man. Talk to you next week. All All right. Thanks. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Be sure to join us next Wednesday as we recap Super Bowl 55 between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And just remember, we're two old pros trying to make you think a little. Be safe and stay healthy, everyone. Run It Again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz is a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ed Maloney, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at Run It Again Podcast.